0: Welcome to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast series. Today we have our guest, Associate Superintendent Dr. Mike Roberts, from Hurt County Schools in Franklin, Georgia. Today we discuss strategies for retaining teachers who have between 0 and 10 years of experience. Mike shares his expertise and valuable insights to ensure we are investing in our teachers, our most precious resource.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linivers, the Vice President of Plexus Foundation, and your host today. And today we have our very special guest from Heard County Schools in western Georgia. As Mike was saying, about an hour west of Atlanta, um, the Associate Superintendent of Schools for Heard County Schools, Mike Roberts. Welcome, Mike.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: Yeah. I, you know, it was fun. I know we were chatting about this a little before about you know talking to your superintendent, Uh, Rodney and saying, Hey, you know, would you like to be a part of it? And he had expressed interest before. And sometimes superintendents do sometimes the associate and he mentioned you. And I was excited about that. And it was great to talk to you on the phone and connect beforehand because more than anything with this, we want to be a real conversation about, you know, issues and topics and things. And, you know, one of the things that you and I had talked about was we had talked about a number of different points and I'm excited to really, you know, we'll talk about the top. In just a second to to really hear your expertise and your thoughts because I think people need to hear it.
0: Well, thank you, and and I appreciate Mr. K uh, recommending me for this. It's an honor to be with you to do this today and have this conversation.
1: And your and your mascot's the same as the Atlanta Braves. Interesting. I
0: mean, <laughs> <laughs> we, sounds like they're on the same page. <laughs> we are the Herd County Braves. We we certainly are. We have a lot of fun.
1: Hi. You know, I I love. I know this is not quite on the top, but I love to dig in a little bit of the history of the area and reading about you know the herds who fo- founded the area and moved in and how founder was under General Washington and you know you always think Revolutionary War forward, but you forget about the stuff that founded before it even came about the Revolutionary War. You know, and just to think like, okay, he was given some land based on his service and. All these pieces are like okay, there is some neat history in your area as well.
0: There is. There is a, a lot of neat history, and there, there's a rich uh Creek Indian history as well, with General McIntosh uh yeah. having a home not far from here and and the Trail of Tears and mm-hmm. all of that is relevant to this area as well.
1: That is very true. Yeah, that, that is true. That rich history is, mm-hmm. is everywhere. Um you know, okay, so I know one of the things we talked about was, was kind of covering the idea around teachers that have zero to 10 years of experience that are leaving the profession. Um, and I really like that you had that as one of the things to, to talk through and kind of share your ideas on because I've heard from, boy, I've done 70, 75 of these with different superintendents across the country and trying to get teachers in and That's keep fun. teachers. That's and right. then make it a rewarding profession is on everyone's mind. I mean, everybody, I haven't had one superintendent say, hey, I'm not worried about getting teachers. Even if they don't have a a problem getting teachers, they're still worried about whether their teachers are going to stay and their training and retention and those things. So I'm excited to, to chat more about that. And, you know, with that idea in mind that you talked about, to, you know, Share a little bit about yourself, you know, how this is important to you. Just kind of give us some background.
0: Well, for me, I didn't originally plan to be a teacher uh, (laughs) when I was in college, I, I was going to be an attorney and uh, i I worked my way through the housing department there in college between classes and I, and I worked with a plumber one day, and I figured out he couldn 't read and so I started trying to tutor him a little bit with hooked on phonics back in the day mm. and uh <laughs> and got into education and and you know i've been a special education teacher, a social studies teacher, an elementary school principal, a middle school principal and and now the associate superintendent and uh it's just it's been a wonderful. Uh, profession for me. And uh, it's it's very rewarding. Um, and I I, I want to see more people get into it and keep it at a high level. And we're, we're changing lives with education. So I'm passionate about it. And when I look at the numbers and I see that a lot of our zero to 10 years of experience type teachers are leaving the profession, I'm really concerned, David.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. When you You know, when you look at the zero and one, two, three, a lot of times you hear people talk about, well, it's two, three years. That's the biggest thing, but zero to 10, that's a big range. It's a huge range.
0: It is a huge range. I I have a high school math teacher that is getting out of the business this year, and she's one year away from being vested and having, you know, a pension, a teaching pension in Georgia, and she's just walking away from it. Uh, Thankfully, she's the only one like that. So far this year, but it, it is, it is heartbreaking and it's tough and that we've, we've got to really, I think, step back and reflect on what we can do to keep those folks in the classroom and get them over that 10 year mark, because the research tells us if we can get them over that 10 year mark, they yeah. tend to stay. Right.
1: And that means that zero to 10, a lot of investment, a lot of connection and really not leaving people alone, huh?
0: That's right. That's right. I'll throw some numbers out at you. In In Georgia now, this is Georgia numbers. In 21-22 school year, we had roughly 119,000 teachers in the state of Georgia. By the end of that school year, 7,000 retired and another 3,500 left the profession. So that's about 9% total loss. But if you look at those teachers that have zero to 10 years of experience, 40% of those left the profession. So oh, wow. 50, four out of 10 between those ranges are are leaving the profession. And then you look at the, the college preparation, those graduating with a degree in ed- education, only 4% of the college degrees in our country are in the field of education and this is down from 21 percent, you know, 50 years ago, um, where one out of five was a degree in education. So we've got to do something. We've got to sit back and, and have a conversation about what we can do differently to simplify the offense. Teachers are telling us they're overwhelmed and, and we've got to start listening and reevaluating.
1: It's just those so statistics. 50 years ago, and down to 4% of those graduating college had a degree in the field of education or some education prep. That's incredible drop.
0: It is. And then about another third of the teachers that we're hiring in our country today are entering without full preparation, Mm. and they're teaching on an emergency or provisional credential of some sort. And so we're putting those in front of our kids. And that's huge for us. I mean, you look at the research on effective teachers and effective schools versus ineffective teachers and ineffective schools. Let me throw this out to you, Dave. Yeah. If you take a child that's at the 50th percentile okay, and you put them in the least effective school with the least effective teacher for two years, they go from the 50th percentile to the fourth percentile. And this is according to Marzano's research. Okay. You take that same child that's at the 50th percentile and you put them in the highly effective school for two years with a highly effective teacher, they go all the way to about the 90th percentile. So the the quality of wow. the school and the quality of the teacher, it matters.
1: Yeah. It matters a lot. That's incredible. I mean see if someone who's halfway there right to where you want them to be and then they just drop precipitously wow that's right i mean it 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 blows my mind i'm saying wow but i'm thinking just the potential and we talk a lot about potential in education right so you you have the potential of the teacher to stay and have an impact on children's lives over that that 10-year span so you get someone at eight that at eighteen. That's ten years of effective teaching that student gets to benefit from that that's right. we are having a hard time retaining. Just that kind of thought blows your mind to go. How many more of those fifty percentiles could it be in ninety percent with these teachers that are just fantastic? That's right. That's right. Wow. So we've got, and, to and you're right. You point. know, when I think about too, what, what do you what do you see as those that are hired without a credential? And, you know, I, you and I shared a little bit before that uh, teachers in my life forever that were hired on emergency credentials here in California, for example, they call them emergency credential or, uh, you know, credentials where they're, they have to finish a degree or finish work. It's not like you're given a day or two to do this every week if you're a teacher within that realm either, are you? No, you're doing it at
0: night or on the weekends most of the time. And, uh, you know, you're. You're flying a plane that's being put together in the air if you're that teacher. (laughs) So there's a real need for instructional coaches Mm -hmm. and and time for for us to develop those people. And I think that's one of the things we've got to get better at as a principal, as an administrator, as a system level of finding people that can develop other people and do it quickly uh, and carve out time for that.
1: That's that's a really good point, point. and that love. I mean, those people that love to do that. I mean, your passion, like you connected with that. plumber, like I want. I want this person to be able to read. Like the freedom of being able to read is huge.
0: That's what I would right. imagine I mean, for the critical, yeah, uh, for lifelong learning it's critical to get through elementary, middle, and high school. So yes, that is that is the key business of elementary education, right there.
1: Now. You know, the um, you hear about burnout, you hear about teachers feeling overwhelmed, expectations are unreasonable. I mean, the, the, it could be a very long list, right? And I know that even for most of us, probably those listening to, we, we have a list of things that impact us of whether we stay or, or go. Um, what are you seeing as some of those reasons why teachers are thinking about leaving?
0: Well, I I think teachers get into the business because of uh, their own past. There was a teacher out there that impacted them in some way or another. That helped change their life, that inspired them. And so they're getting into the business for um, the right reasons. You know, they have a heart for others. They want to see others grow. They want to have an impact on them. And then we put them in the the seat and it becomes all about metrics and numbers Mm -hmm and scripted programs. Um, and it's, it just becomes, we just, we just took the altruistic, you know, behind their motive for being in education and, and destroyed it to some degree. And we don't have conversations about making a difference, uh, in a child's child's life. We're looking at numbers and we're looking at scores and we're looking at, you know, all these things that, um, yeah are not about the reason they got into it in the first place. So one of the questions I would have, you know, for, for my colleagues out there is what kind of stories are we telling? Are Mm. we telling stories about student success and about making a difference in a child's life and and helping a child grow or the stories going around our buildings about complaining and test scores and metrics we got to tell the right story for the reason our teachers got into this in the first place. And yeah. stories matter. The stories that we tell need to, to uh, reflect
1: our mission of putting kids first. That's a really, really good point. Um, you make me think about the passion that one of the podcast guests I had earlier this week, um, uh, Superintendent Katie Hatley out of Graduate Arkansas. So she works with students who are Essentially they're kind of last stop students for lack of a better term. You know, they've dropped out of school, they've they've been incarcerated for some reason, they've had kids and haven't been able to finish. And she's like, you know, I'm having to justify my accreditation based on test scores when these kids are graduating and their needs are being met. It's like you have pressure, just what you're saying to do something, but then there's this whole population of students and teachers that are connected in such a different way.
0: Right, and she's trying to teach those kids how to uh, make it in a polite society and yes. be a good citizen, uh, because maybe their home lives are so bad. But she's being judged on something totally different, you know. So it's tough sometimes.
1: Yeah, and she's talking about it. I know she. And the reason I mention that because it's like, wow, well, you know, this happens all the time. I just had a conversation about it the other day. Is mm-hmm. the qualitative to quantitative, and then you forget about people.
0: And the qualitative piece, right? Right, and our teachers got into it for the people side.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. So who who influenced you as a teacher? Just that that's plumber essentially. Was he like, hey, that's that was the click. That's what clicked you.
0: Yeah, that was fun, and, and I and I had a, a realization that I wanted to be an attorney for the wrong reasons, gotcha. uh, just for the the title. <laughs> and uh, and and my brother was a physical therapist, and it was sort of a competition, I guess, an unspoken competition. And you know, I sort of had an awakening. This is this is not what I want to do. I, I like this better.
1: Yeah. Even within education, as long as I've been in higher ed and education, I had friends years ago like, why don't you do pharmaceutical drug sales? I'm like, that's just not where my passion is. Yeah. I, being connected to the passion, which you meant, it's it is a life choice. And you, I live it every day. And it sounds like you do as well that way with why you're here and why you're at this point where you want to talk about the significance of these teachers leaving.
0: It, it, it It's concerning. You know, I'm in yeah. year 27. Uh, I'm probably in my last five years of education, but I want to pass the baton on to someone else that uh, has a passion for this. And yeah. we create an environment where teachers can thrive, and it is very rewarding. And they are seeing a difference in kids, and we're telling the right stories. And uh, I think we just got to have a conversation uh, in our country today. We can't apply business principles to to education every single day. I have no problems being accountable. Right. You know, uh, I I don't. Hold me accountable to test scores, hold me accountable to reading levels, uh, proficiency levels with reading and mathematics all day long. But there there comes a, a point where we have to have a conversation. that This is also about changing lives. Mm-hmm. And we, we've got to put the emphasis on that. we got to tell the right stories. We, we've got to keep each other uplifted in those areas, too. Uh, it, it's got to be more of a balance, in my opinion.
1: Uh, again, that's a really, really good point. And I know you're part of the superintendent development program for Georgia as well. You still of that?
0: Yes, sir. I'm actually finishing that up this spring.
1: Now, is that something to help you or is it to help others? Like, what is that? How does that work a little bit?
0: There's about 25 of us in the program. Oh, okay. And it's to develop us to be effective superintendents in the state of Georgia. Oh. And uh, the, uh, the superintendent of the national um, superintendent rate, I guess, of employment is about three years. And so it's to, you know, extend that, uh, teach, teach some activities and principles that will extend the life of that person's superintendency and uh, make a difference for kids,
1: most importantly. You know, I mean, just thinking about a superintendent only be around for three years, that's short, too
0: it is short it is short but it's like being the the mayor of las vegas the lights <laughs> never go out and uh you're on call
1: 24/7 this is true and that's tough it is tough. that's really tough <laughs> it, there, you know um with with these kind of topics we're talking about with the teacher retention rate and you know preparing teachers and the ed- change in the amount of people graduate from college do you talk about that within your development program and the needs and kind of what's out there
0: We do. We do. We talk about retention. We talk about ideas for retention. Um, You know, there there are several things that um, we just kind of do a tabletop with and and talk about recruiting and onboarding Mm. and um, just things that we can get better at and share those ideas. So I think we all have a passion for that. You know, and and there are things that, you know, if I could, I've got some things that I'd like to talk about at the state level and maybe the system level and the school level that I think we could all do a better job with or at least have a conversation about uh, in our districts.
1: Absolutely. I was, I was thinking as, as we were talking about that earlier, I was like, you know, the, this development program, the kind of conversation you could have about the state system, school level things must be very vibrant.
0: It is. It is. You know, you have folks that come from rural school districts like ours. Yeah. And then you have folks that come from the, the, the larger school districts in Georgia. And, you know, there's a difference, in my opinion, between how we do business in a large school system versus a small school system and, yeah. and the things, the accountability measures that are in place. And, you know, being small, um, it, it's easier to focus on relationships you know, mm-hmm. I, I I know every teacher in our school district. I know every paraprofessional in our school district by name. And, you know, that's just impossible for them to do that at a larger level and, and really dive into relationships at that level.
1: That's true. That's true. So what are what are some of your thoughts of, you know, state system and school like you mentioned? Let's talk about those.
0: Well, at, at the state level, I, I think we've got to have a conversation about the number of standards that we ask teachers to teach and and require mastery by students. Sometimes it's it's an inch deep and a mile wide. And like the math standards have changed in Georgia and they want to see more mathematical reasoning. You know, take this at a deeper level and apply it to more real world situations. But you still have a large, very large number of standards and a limited amount of time. So that creates stress and, and it, it creates this lack of developing teachable moments that can really be out of the box because teachers feel like I don't have time for that. I would love to get the kids out in the hall and and do a, a bunch of hands-on activities, but I've got I've got to move. And so we, we've got to look and see how we can pare things down a little bit and go deeper to where kids can really internalize those kinds of things they're asking us to teach all these standards but also we get caught up in trying to fix the social issues as well mm. in the classroom okay we want you to do you know anti-drug campaigns and teach this in addition to those standards and we want you to teach fire safety in addition to those standards and can we do some social emo- emotional things in the classroom? And it just starts to add up, David. And yeah. teachers are like, I, "I've got to not do something. What do I not do?" Uh, and so, that's real. I mean, if you talk to teachers, that's real. Uh, they're overwhelmed by those things, you know. And I, I think pay is always going to be a part of this conversation. And, and I didn't bring that up True. first, but I, I saw this graphic the other day: the purchasing power. For teachers today is less than it was in 2010, due to the inflation. So I'm going to say that again: the purchasing power for teachers today is less than it was in 2010. Uh, and so we've we've got to always look at that. If you're coming out of school with a mathematics degree, and you can go out here and make you know eighty five thousand your first year, versus okay, I'm going to make forty two thousand my first year as an educator that's real. Uh, and so we, we have to think, think through some of those things.
1: You're right. And with the cost of things that have risen, it's just that 40,000, like you mentioned, the $40,000 doesn't go nearly as far. It doesn't. I mean, I know there's a little side note, but when I work for the California state university system, you know, there's pension, there's those things. And there's, you think about if you're, um, a state employee, part of the collective bargaining unions, which they have, and you do get a good pension, a good salary. If you wanted to buy a home, maybe 30, 40 years ago, you could do it and live comfortably. If you do that now, I mean, it's almost impossible.
0: That's right. And in some states, teachers are qualifying for food stamps. Yeah. Of course, salary. And and, you know, I don't want to make this all about pay, but we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that's a variable in this. That's situation. right. Yeah. That's right.
1: You know, you, you mentioned a couple of things about being overwhelmed, and I, I, I had a question. So in your district, are the teachers, do they also teach PE as well?
0: No, we have separate PE and exploratory teachers is what we oh, call that's them. that's good. So that's no, good. they're not responsible for that. And that's when they, when the kids go to those classes, that's when they get a little planning time or meeting right. time.
1: That's good. So you have some resources to help with a little bit of that juggle too. Or I know some That's districts good. don't, right? Teachers do PE. They teach music. They do it all, right?
0: Yeah, that, that would be overwhelming. I, I don't know how they would do that.
1: So state, you see the, the limited amount of time, um, paring things down, all the things that are adding up, the salary. What other things do you see at the big 5,000-foot level or 50,000-foot level?
0: I think at the system level, we, we've got to simplify things. Mm. I see, you know, school improvement plans and system improvement plans that have 35, 40 initiatives on it. And you're trying to figure out what are some high impact things that I can do in my district or in my school that are really going to move the needle, maybe two, maybe three things that if I can implement this and, and it, can become part of my culture in my school this year, and, and part of how we do business. Then that's a win. And if we can implement that, and it becomes a part of who we are, then that's a win. But when you have thirty-five or forty initiatives, the the leaders in the school are are trying to check these off. And yes, I'm, we've done that, and here's evidence that we've done that. And so you're you're also overwhelming the leaders in that too. So we we need to focus on two or three things for the year and then focus on creating a very family friendly culture for staff and students you know where everybody feels like a community they feel like family we care about each other you know that's that's what we're trying to create in our district and and it 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 kills me when I hear other districts say we don't have that you know we, we don't have that kind of culture um in our building, and then when we create that culture, we got to recognize it. I love that saying, right. what gets recognized gets repeated, and so we've got to do a better job of slowing down. And when we see that at the system level, we, we need to go and recognize that and say, Job well done, Miss Smith, or Job well done, you know, Central Hatchie Elementary School. Thank you, you guys are rocking it. Uh, so, um, and, and then I think too. Some other things that we can do, David, is we've got to give those zero to 10-year teachers a lot of support. Mm -hmm. They need instructional coaches, not moles from the principal, people that they can really trust. Like when you
1: go to the doctor and close. That's such a good point. Not moles, not people to tell on you. It's about we're professionals here. We're professionals. Yes.
0: They're going to go down there, and they have a doctor-patient relationship. And my job as an instructional coach is to help you win, uh, teacher, And so how can I help you win? And they create goals together and support that. That's what we need to be doing more of with those zero to 10 year type teachers and then give them time, give them time to do more collaborative planning with those more experienced teachers, which may mean money, which may mean subs and time away. And so those are things I think we need to be doing more of at the system level to support those zero to 10 type
1: teachers. I, I really like those. And, you know, when you look at those two, how, how would you see a, a school board responding to these things or being invested in these kinds of things too?
0: You know, I can only speak for our board. Of course. And, of course. And they're they're great. Yeah. Um, we, we have a big sign in our boardroom that says putting kids first. And we talk about filtering every decision we make as a governance team. Through that filter of putting kids first. And so, you know, a, a great teachers, that's putting kids first, investing in those teachers for the long term. Um, that's putting kids first. So, mm-hmm. yes, it may mean some dollars, but when we start looking at four out of 10 of those zero to 10 year teachers leaving the profession, I, I think we've got to do that. And you, know, you look at the uh, ineffective versus the effective schools and teachers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crisis. We we've really got to step back and figure something out pretty soon.
1: And that's what you said too, what gets recognized gets repeated. We have to keep showing this, like this exists all the time, like keep ringing that bell. Hey, and here how we're improving. Like not only have we recognized it, but we put these things in place to make a difference and that's look right. at the impact like you mentioned. The budget that's been satisfied to have this is having and we're able to show it too. I mean, because you know, you're going to be asked to show it, right? Show that's me. Right. That's right. Show but- me. Everyone wants to be showing you. Like, well, I do think the qualitative piece that you mentioned too, is people seeing what's going on, not just seeing the stats, but seeing people at right? work with people.
0: That's right. And, and David, what do you want as a parent in the yeah. morning? If you're getting your child ready for school Do you want them crying and begging, I don't want to go to school. Can I stay at home? I don't feel good. Or do you want them excited to get in the car to go to school that day? So you really want two things. You want success Mm because you don't want them living in your basement forever, right? And and you want them to enjoy the environment that they're going into each and every day and enjoying learning and enjoying school. I think that's really what our stakeholders want at the end of the day. Uh, They're not so concerned that, you know, the child didn't make distinguished on the mathematics portion of the end of year test as much as, hey, my child loves to get up and go to school and they're being successful.
1: I I, I agree. As a parent of five kids, I want nothing more than them to want to go to school because they like school. They like their teachers and they feel good there, even if it's hard some days, because there's going to be hard days and there's going to be days that aren't hard, but that they want to get up and go and they feel good about themselves going to school. That's right. That's right. I know you mentioned the school level, too. I mean, and at the school level, I mean, I can contextualize this. You might already be thinking, but you have what elementary, middle, high school. You have early college. I mean, you have so many different school level things. And, and teachers are different at the different levels too, aren't they? They
0: are. They are different at different levels. And, you know, when we start thinking about the school level, we, we got to focus on developing, not on the gotchas. You mm-hmm. know, um, it, it's going to require a lot more classroom visits by the leaders and the instructional coaches. And we've just got to focus on development. And I think, and I hate to say this, but a lot of folks are all about that evaluation instrument and I didn't see it. Therefore, I'm going to mark you down. And that's going to um, inspire you to change and get better in that area. Is that really the best way to do that? Can we not have a conversation and coach them along the way? And instead of it being a gotcha kind of thing, I think Mm -hmm. we've got to, We've got to change our, our, our thinking on that and realize it's going to take a couple of years for this brand new teacher to develop into what we need them to develop. And as long as they have a coachable spirit about them, then we need to continue to pour into them and not do the gotcha type evaluations.
1: Because yeah, you can gotcha the coachable spirit right out of somebody. Yes, you can.
0: Yes, you can. Especially if they're drowning. <laughs>
1: We talk about that, and you probably talk about it in K through pre K through twelve and in higher education is what's the tipping point to determine whether a student's going to enroll or not enroll, and it's different for every individual. And then you, you just don't want people to be at that tipping point in the first place, right? Like, look at the things around it. What you're talking about with state and system and school to to push those things aside so that they're not at the Either or, they're like, here are my options. This is what I can choose to really build myself and my kids up every day.
0: That's right. That's right. I, I think these are some of the things that we need to reflect on in education, and that's just my humble opinion. Yeah. And I'm just one person, but you know, I, I also think that teachers want to be uh, included in leadership decisions at mm-hmm. the school level mm-hmm. as a group. Uh, they want to be part of the change. They want to be agents of change and not objects of change. And I think so often they feel like they're objects of change. And so it's got to be more collaborative in our planning and how we look at data, how we talk about the strengths and weaknesses of our schools and what we want to be a focal point for the school year. If we have everybody around the table and we have teachers around the table and they feel bought into that, you know, there's an old there's an old saying that says people don't tear down fences; they help build. And and if we can help them feel like they're a part of that decision making process and have the ownership in the school, which they do, um, we just need to be more intentional about those kinds of things.
1: It's really powerful that kind of um, inclusion. And have you seen that within your district? I mean, your schools, the inclusion of teachers and the leadership discussion and decisions and How's that going for you all?
0: Well, I, I've learned some of these lessons the hard way, David. Mm. I mean, to be quite honest with you, I, yeah. I I would sit back and look at the data and go, well, we've got to improve third grade reading comprehension and we've got to improve, you know, geometry and fourth grade mathematics. <laughs> and, and I would sit there and go, those two are definitely, we're going to come up with something for that. Yeah. But if if we slow down and let them discover it themselves, and if we slow down and just be a facilitator that asks questions and, and come to them and say, what's going on in fourth grade with geometry? What, what are your thoughts on that? And just sit back and listen and ask good questions. They'll come up with good answers.
1: Uh, it's such a good point. If we sit back and listen, people will come up with an answers. You mentioned it already. Be patient That's right. with the teachers. It doesn't mean you just do nothing. You're not saying that at all. You're saying be patient with the development. Let them use the knowledge and skills that they have and that they're blessed with because they are.
0: That's right. And don't destroy that why yeah. in the process. You right. know, uh, Massage that why they got into this in the first place and have those conversations as you're coaching and, and
1: reinforce that i love it i mean you've got some good things you know keeping the standards reasonable Uh, um like you mentioned all the things that are adding up on top of just the standards and the regular teacher stuff at the state level the pay important it has to be recognized um system things you know how many initiatives on the strategic plan do you really need to accomplish That's right. Um, right. Making it a community and family welcoming place with kids first, and um, the instructional coaches. I love that. And then even at the school level, we talked about not working focused on the gotchas and the day-to-day interactions, and you know, using that using that evaluation as the the punch versus the lifting up.
0: That's right. That's absolutely right. And and in the process of doing all these things. In some schools in our country, we give that brand new teacher the worst kids because there's some teacher there that's been there for 15 years. And I deserve to teach the advanced algebra honors class. Uh, and then we take a first year teacher and we give them the kids with the learning issues or the kids with the behavior issues. We, we got to reevaluate that. We've got to give these folks time to develop. In the midst of all this. So if that's still going on in our country, please stop. Please (laughs) reevaluate that. And it's
1: going to take leadership to do that. You know, you raise a really good point because if the seasoned teachers who have the knowledge and skills don't want it, that means they don't feel supported either in doing it. Right? Right. Well, it, it's in it's, some ways, right? You're like, hey, maybe they need more support to make sure they can handle it all. And I don't mean they can't do it. But you know what I mean by that? Like, maybe
0: that, that could be part of it. I think part of it, too, it's 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 more rewarding to teach kids that get it quicker.
1: Yeah.
0: True. And um, That's true. it, it kind of reinforces, hey, I'm a good teacher. Yeah. Uh, and, and you've got these kids that really want to learn and really want to be there and maybe they're college bound. And then some of the kids we have, maybe they just want to graduate from high school and and go into employment yeah. type career, you know, that, or, or go to a technical school. So completing the square uh, is not really at the top of their list today because they want to own their own HVAC company, you know? So you have a diverse group of of, of students. And then sometimes your higher level teachers or teachers that have been in the business for a long time, they want those advanced kids. Sure. So we've, we've got to figure out how to split that up and be more fair to that first, second, third year teacher. Uh,
1: that's true. And you did say earlier, you know, what gets recognized gets repeated. And um, just from the development of the student, like you said, that those are the those students that are the most challenging what's recognized in their achievements is going to be different than you said, those other ones who were, you know, already driven. That's just them because every student's so different. That's right. You know, when, you know, I know this is a little side note too. You know, when you look at the, the huge array of the way students learn and process information. And when you think about a teacher's ability to, Look at all that and go, whoa, that must feel overwhelming for new teachers as well. go, How do I do this?
0: That's right. It is overwhelming for them. And, you know, we do something in our district when we hire a teacher that's an elementary school teacher that maybe has four preps. Maybe they're prepping for reading, writing, math, science, and social studies. We put them with an instructional coach during the summer.
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: they go ahead and, and plan the first two weeks of school together with that instructional coach so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming being that first year teacher and and trying to do plan all of that while you're teaching it i hope that makes sense
1: it does I, having watched teachers in my life do that i i know the intensity of it and and you're right i mean uh, our podcast reaches educators so they're like right with us but for those that our educators, the amount of planning that goes into just being able to teach effectively every day, it's hard. That is really intensive work.
0: It is difficult. It is. And, and you hope that they have a team around them that they can plan together. But in a lot, yeah. of, a lot of areas, the, the culture is not bad in the school. In some places, the culture is, hey, we're, we're competing against each other. And, and that's got to stop. We, we've we got to be a family. We've got to be a team.
1: You know, I, I like even fishing. up that we have to be a team because you're right. Each team member has a different role, but is absolutely valuable. Sports are an easy analogy, but, you know, my kids are in music. And when you're in an orchestra, everyone, every piece of the orchestra is a team member. And when you listen to orchestras enough and you go to them live, you start to see, oh, oh the Trump, you know, the. The violas are off or whoa, well, the bass came in late. Like you start to see it and hear it. Because sports are an easy thing to do, right? Especially for guys. are Like, yeah, sports it sports that, but it's true. It's very true. And, you know, I, I, I really commend you for the work you're doing with your district. I know we, you, you shared a little bit, obviously there's so much going on within your district and the teachers and for them to be able to benefit from a leader like yourself. And my experience with you just in this podcast of your thoughtfulness, you know, patience and listening and seeking to really understand and and then put effective things in place. Uh, I mean, that's huge in the midst of people feeling valued.
0: Well, we just have to simplify the offense, you know, to use that sports analogy. Yeah. We've got to simplify the offense. We got to create a winnable game. For our teachers, especially our young teachers, where at the end of the day, they feel like I won the day. I helped this child. I helped these children. And uh, we've just got to slow it down and uh, create that winnable game.
1: I like it. Well, Mike, hey, thank you so much for your time. I, I appreciate it. I think we got more than 15 minutes, right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I was worried about that. <laughs> well, David, I, I appreciate you asking me to be on. I'm honored. And uh I hope maybe I could add value in some way to our field.
1: I appreciate it. I think we had a lot you had a lot of good things to say and um and I think we'll see this come along. I think it's the more conversations I have with people like yourself and other superintendents there there's definitely a movement, and it's getting momentum, and the legislators are starting to listen they're they're starting to see it and hear it um and I had a nice conversation with a colleague from Kentucky, and they were talking about this exact thing. And they got the ear of the governor when he's listening. And I was like, you know, he's a, it's a coalition to make, you know, improve teacher funnel, teacher flow, just the things you're talking about. And, and I was like, hey, I'm going to talk to Mike about this on the podcast right today. And it's just, just so serendipitous that those two happen to come together. Uh, it's Bobby Bennett out of Middlesbrough, Kentucky. Fantastic gentleman, very involved in what you do with professional development in Kentucky, and it's just great to see leaders like you and he doing such amazing things.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that the others are having the conversations that need to be had uh, yeah. regarding the teaching crisis. In my opinion, we're we're about to enter a season where we're not going to define success by test scores and graduation rates, but can you feel your teaching? spots with effective teachers that are credentialed and qualified. I think we're about to define success that way if we can't get this turned around. That's true. That's true.
1: Hey, thank you again, Mike. All right. Thank you, David. I've really enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.